Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. So glad to have you with us. We're going to be talking about revival in this session, and we're going to be talking about what causes revival to tarry, what are the hindrances, uh, the main hindrance, rather, to uh, a church or a community having a revival. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we bless you today. We thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Now, Lord, uh, the, the waterfall of revival that is falling from glory all the way down, splashing upon the earth, Father, it has been flowing for 2,000 years, ever since the day of Pentecost. And Lord, we want to get under the spout where your glory is running out. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the alignment necessary to be a recipient of that which you desire to do, Father. And we give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin reading a passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 57 and in verse 15 that says this, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. We're talking about God, and His name is holy. And isn't it good to know that uh, the holy God has made us holy through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Praise God. So God's name is holy. Now notice what else Isaiah prophesies. He says, I dwell, speaking in behalf of the Lord, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Notice this, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. To be humble is to recognize that without Christ, we are nothing. To be contrite means that we know that we're not where we're supposed to be with the Lord, but we are repentive and we're wanting all that God has for us. Amen. We're willing to make a turn uh, towards him and towards the things that he desires for us to have. And I'm telling you, revival is one of those things that God desires us to have. And we can have it. But it's a matter of coming into alignment with him, with his plan and with his purpose. So when we talk about revival hindrance, uh, the main revival hindrance is this. It's a failure of God's people to apply the truth of the word of God. In other words, to see it, to get the revelation of it, and then to go and do it. Now, Hosea prophesied to Israel, and he said this in chapter 6 and verse 4. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? Speaking, amen, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? Oftentimes, Ephraim is a title or a name for the northern kingdom. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. Now, this explains, in this one verse, it explains the failure of God's people to apply the truth of the Word of God, because we have to come to the reality that we only love God as much as we love His Word. If we're not in love with His Word, then we're not in love with God. And I'm, I'm not talking about 
uh, our relation, our, our uh, position with him. We're talking about our condition, the condition of our heart. Amen. If we're not in love with the word of God, if we're not hungering for the word, then really we're not hungering for a closer relationship with the Lord. And whenever that condition of our heart exists, then it's time for revival. So let's go ahead and read this again. The last part of this verse. Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. We could say it this way. Your goodness, the goodness of your love. Amen. The goodness of our love towards God is as a morning cloud and as the early dew that once the sun appears, it vanishes. And we know that in dry conditions, if the only moisture that grass receives on top is the morning dew, when the morning sun rises and the dew vanishes, then if that's all the water that grass is going to get, if this is the condition that persists persists over a long period of time, drought conditions, then the grass whose roots are just located on the surface, they'll wither and die. But if the grass has its root system that goes down deep into the earth, this grass will be sustained, this grass will remain green, and it will remain strong. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, I over-fertilized my yard, and as long as the, the, uh, the weather was rainy, uh, raining every couple days, uh, my grass was green, it would shoot up, it looked beautiful. But whenever we went into the dry season, and there wasn't the rain that there was before, and the water was not uh, touching the grass. Uh, the roots, what I, what I fail to understand is by fertilize, over-fertilizing the grass, uh, the root system stayed right on the surface. So in dry conditions, all that grass that was so green at one time when the, when the rain was coming, during the raining season, uh, it began to weather and die. And so I learned a vital point. Allow the grass, allow the roots of the grass to grow down deep into the earth, even in drought conditions, even if it doesn't rain for weeks on a time, that grass is going to remain green. And over all these years, I applied that revelation, that truth, and that's exactly what has happened. My grass, even in drought conditions, stays and remains green. Amen. And see, that speaks to us of the condition of our heart. Amen. If we don't allow the root system to go down deep. Now, let, let me read to this from the psalmist. This, this uh, describes uh, the position of every believer in Christ Jesus. Listen to what the psalmist says. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. That, that's, that's our position in Christ Jesus. Our inheritance shall be forever. They now they shall not be ashamed in evil times. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Praise God. So those of us in the, in the church that are truly born again, that know Christ, that are feasting upon him, that have developed a prayer life, 
a, a viable prayer life, that stay in the word of God, that are walking in the love of God. See, this passage applies to them. Now, now there's going to be those that are going to make it into heaven. I'm not saying that if we're not what we're doing externally is not going to is not going to cause us to miss heaven. I don't mean that at all. What I am saying then is that there is victory. There is revival for those who are humble. There is revival for those who are contrite. Amen. That realize that we're not where we should be with God, but we're going to change that. We're going to do whatever we have to do to move closer into him and to get under that place where God's glory is being poured out. Amen. Praise God. I remember years ago, I was walking in the woods and I found this beautiful pine tree. That thing was just beautiful. And it was like, I don't know, two, two feet high. And I went and got a shovel and I dug that thing up. That taproot was so long. And uh, I, I got it, got it into uh, my truck, brought it to the house. I immediately planted it in the ground. Once again, this was during the rainy season. And as long as there was as the rain was coming and that water table was up high enough, that that beautiful uh, pine tree survived. But once we hit the dry season, and the water table lowered, and that taproot couldn't get the moisture. That thing died. It died just almost just within a matter of, of a few days. You see, our roots have to go deep. That's really what we're talking about here. Now, I want to read this to you. Now, this is out of another translation. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you, as we trust in him and may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. So there is growth in the Christian life, whereas our spiritual roots go down deeper, deeper, deeper into what the Living Bible describes as the soil of God's marvelous love. Praise God. And that is so vital. That is so vital. So those of us, and I, I just, I, I, I want to say those of us, because we have to admit that there are those in the church that they're not interested in revival. They like where they are. They're going to stay where they are. They know they're going to go to heaven. And so the, the things that, that I desire uh, and others who are hungry desire are not going to touch them. Uh, these things are just going to pass them by. But uh, those who hear those who on the surface do not allow the roots to go down deep. They're not going to draw up the living waters of revival. And those who hear, but they don't apply the truth. They will lack the living water of revival. And if the rain does not fall from heaven, they're going to wither. But now those who continually have their roots going down deep into the Son of God and into this river of living waters, uh, they're going to flourish. Even in dry times, they're going to flourish. God has promised that. Amen. Praise God. Now, I want to read to you another psalm. This is Psalm 27. And this describes really what I'm talking about in this session. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should ride against me, rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, this is a psalm of David. And really what David is describing here is the roots of his heart going down deep into the love of God. Let's back up and let's go back to verse one. Notice what David writes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Notice he didn't say the Lord is a light in my life. No, he said the Lord is my light, my salvation. When we come to the place to where it is the word of God and only the word of God, that is the light that lightens our life. Praise God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our root system then begins to go down deep into the things of God. But notice what David says here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That is a revelation of the love of God. Because perfect love, John tells us, perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in the love of God. So when we draw closer to the Lord, when we draw closer, we have a greater revelation, a greater depth of the love of God. And of course, all of us being born again, children of God, we all have love in us because the fruit of the spirit is love. And it manifests in, in other ways. Joy, peace, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, all of these types of fruit, they're all manifestations of the love of God. None of these manifested in our life until we were touched by his love through the new birth. So do we want to conquer fear in our life? Well, let's make the word of God our singular light. Let's make Jesus our singular salvation. There's too many people in this world trying to save themselves. It's not going to work. There's only one who is mighty to save, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So when the Lord becomes our light, when the Lord becomes our salvation, then fear has been given a death blow. Amen. And the psalmist goes on and says this, the Lord is the strength of my life. He is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, so many people in this life, they fear men. They fear, amen, uh, and they're afraid to express and they do not have the courage of their convictions because they're afraid somebody's going to object to them. Let me tell you something. We cannot fear man. That's a curse. Curse is he that trusts in the arm of the flesh. See, we can't fear man. We fear God, but we don't fear man. And what the psalmist says here is the Lord is the strength of my life. How can he become the strength of our life if he ceases and is not solely the light of our life? If he's not solely our salvation, if we're not totally and completely dependent upon him. Amen. See, a man who is full of faith is a man that has no place for fear. And so verse two says, when the wicked, even my enemies 
and my foes come upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumble and fall. How do we know that? Well, because we're trusting the Lord that it is that the light in us is the light of God and our salvation. And he's also the strength of our life. David goes on and he says, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. My heart shall not fear. There is a place in Christ where there is absolutely no fear in us at all. The only fear we have is the fear of God, to fear him, to walk humbly before him, to be reverent towards him and to always live a life to where we never do those things that displease him. Amen. Like Jesus said, I always do those things that please him. That's the epitome of the love of God. And verse four. Now, this is the result of a man whose roots have gone deep down into the soil of the love of God. Notice what David says again. Verse four. One thing have I desired of the Lord. How can he say one thing have I desired of the Lord? Because the Lord is his light. When I say the Lord is his light, I'm talking about he is a man of the word of God. He has put the word of God first place. And I'm telling you, unless the word of God has the proper place in us, and I'm talking about the truth of the word of God, amen, then we're not in alignment to receive revival. And we're going to see that in just a moment of time. Once again, verse four, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Praise God. See, that has become a reality to us and it will be a reality to us. Amen. When we leave this earth, either by the grave or or by rapture and to go to be in the presence of the Lord. But we are in our spirit. We are dwelling in the house of the Lord. We are to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's talking about prayer. That's talking about seeking him. You see, and that's what revival brings to us. It brings to us the beauty of the Lord. It brings to us uh, the inquiring in his temple. A man, prayer life then becomes so very, very important. And then to finish out this uh, this uh, psalm, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. Praise God. There's safety in the name of Jesus. There is safety in the covering of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that perpetually abides in us and over us. Notice what else David says in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. There is an earthly temple and there is a spiritual temple. There is a heavenly temple. Amen. Praise God. But notice the psalmist says that when time of trouble comes, you know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to set me upon a rock. I'm not going to be in the quicksand. I'm not going to sink. He's going to set me upon a rock. And there I can stand strong. And verse six says, and thou shalt mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. So hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, 
Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek ye my face, we're talking about revival now. When you said, seek ye my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Amen. Praise God. Do we want revival? Well, then that's something that we need to pray and to seek God for. Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. You know, over in the New Testament, uh, you know, the scripture says, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, such as breathe out cruelty. You know, part of the Lord's prayer is this. Amen. That uh, that uh, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, see, revival is moving away from that. Even though revival, a lot of times Satan comes against revival to try to destroy it. But Lord, if we have the same heart that David did, he's not going to be able to. But now look at verse 13. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me read that again. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So verse, th verse 13 is telling me we'll have revival. Amen. If we seek for it, search it with all of our heart. Amen. If we, like Jesus did when he set his face to go to Jerusalem, if we will set our face to have revival, we'll have it. Amen. Praise God. And we will not faint. Why? Because we believe we'll see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. Amen. Praise God in this life. And then David ends this psalm by saying, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. To wait is just not to sit down. To wait is to wait in his presence, to seek him, to do exactly what Paul and Barnabas did that fateful day in Acts chapter 13. As they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, and they embarked upon a tremendous ministry that brought Christ to all over the known world of the Roman Empire. I'm telling you, there, there is, we have right now, we have no idea what God is going to do in our life. But we'll find out as we seek him more and more every day. So, what is Revival. What is revival? Well, first of all, it's an awakening. And what do I mean by an awakening? It's a stimulating of the life of the church. It's something stimulates our life personally, but it also stimulates the life of the church. You know, we have services and they're good services, but yet there's something missing. There is a ceiling over these services and we want to break through that ceiling. So what do we do? We begin praying, we begin fasting, we begin calling on God, hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, the, the normal Christian life, there is an awakening and we become very aware. Amen. And the life 
amen, that uh, was somewhat dormant in our life, all of a sudden it springs to life. It comes to the surface again. And here comes this hunger. Here comes this thirst that must be satisfied. Amen. And so what does that awakening lead to? Well, it leads to the Holy Spirit coming down upon maybe just a few or coming down upon a church or coming down upon a community. Amen. A renewed power comes and manifests. And people then, they become conscious of his presence. You know, you can go to church and you can sense God is there, but really not feel his presence. Listen, I've been in churches and I've been in the presence of people who were manifesting the presence of God. And as soon as I opened up the door of the church or open up the door where this brother or this sister was, I walked right into the manifest presence of God. Hallelujah. See, that's a revival. That's the spirit of revival right there. When people walk into a church and they sense the manifest presence of God and they say immediately, you know, I know that God's wanting to do something here. I know he's doing something here. God's at work in this place. Praise God. God's at work in your life because they come into your presence and they can sense the manifest presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So people, amen, they become conscious of his presence. And when they do that, they yield themselves to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit then takes charge of the meetings or takes charge of our life personally. He takes charge of the meetings. And then men, they become conscious and aware of God's holiness. God manifests the Holy Spirit. Why is the Spirit of God God called the Holy Spirit? Because He has a holy presence. There is holy presence. He is the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. But what else does this revival do? Well, it brings men under conviction. We realize, you know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. There may be people in the church living secret lives, secret lives of sin. Well, they come under conviction. They realize that, you know, that they that they are a, a helpless before a holy God. And then they reach out and become totally dependent upon him. And then here comes fresh revelation of God's love that comes to them. God loves all of his people. He loves the whole world. But see, this revival brings a revelation. In other words, uh, there is a reality to the love of God. That not only do we sense it, it becomes so real, we can almost touch it. And as a result of this kind of atmosphere, meetings in the church increase. People want more. They come together continually. Amen. We want more than this. You know, they, they instead of just going to Sunday morning and not Sunday night or not Wednesday night, they just, will, you know, one week of Christmas, all of a sudden they want to come back on Sunday night. They want to come back on Wednesday night. They want to have special prayer on Friday night. They want more of God. And these meetings become protracted. Oh, we barely get through an hour. Oh, I hope this meeting doesn't go past 12 o'clock. Well, the spirit of God is moving. And so we don't mind going an extra hour. We don't mind sitting in a two hour, three hour service. Why is that? Because God's moving. His manifest presence is being felt. People are being touched. They're coming under conviction of sin. Their lives are laid out before the Lord. There's repentance going on. Amen. People are reclaiming that which they had lost or had become dormant in their life. 
And prayer becomes something that's fervent, fervent prayer. Amen. That actually just reaches up and pulls down the presence of God. Hallelujah. It becomes the foremost entity in these meetings. And then going outside of the church, others become affected. Others come on under conviction and they pray through. They want in on this. Amen. Praise God. How can a small church of maybe 100 people all of a sudden have revival? And then in just a matter of days, there's thousands of people show up because there's a hunger for more of God. And then miracles begin to happen. And ultimately, souls are saved and delivered. And then this revival, you know what it brings? It brings the days of heaven upon earth. That's what God wants us to have. Amen. But we've got to start out. We've got to start out wanting it, hungering and thirsting for it. And if we're not hungry now, let's pray to get hungry. Father, we bless you today in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise and honor and glory. In your wonderful holy name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.